My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Basha here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Andy Pedic. He's the owner, he's the founder of Founderist Club and host of Dream Jobs, Colorado Preneurs, and Disruptors Podcasts. Welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. We're gonna have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your challenges, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Sure. I have been a serial entrepreneur for, I don't know, probably about 12 years now. I've started uh, a lot of companies, some very exciting ones, some epic failures, some of all kinds. But uh, I started my career in the beverage industry, working in wholesale distribution and management. And I ended up leaving that and starting a brewery uh, in Washington State in Seattle. And while I was doing that, I did all the side hustles to subsidize my startup. I ran a brokerage business for wineries. I worked in publishing at beverage magazines. I uh, had a festival business for a while. I ran a nonprofit, but all in kind of consumer packaged goods, food and beverage. Uh, but then some weird things. I owned a cycling company for a while. I sponsored athletes. And most recently, during the pandemic, I started a podcasting network and we produced uh, about 20 shows of our own and we worked with over 50 podcasters, but we did a national search and got 10,000 applications from people who wanted to be storytellers. And we set out on this two-year social venture project to give back to people who wouldn't otherwise have a voice. So you're familiar with podcasting. They say in the news industry, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, people really want the juicy drama. Uh, yes, I mean, literally scripted dramas and true crime are the most popular things. But people want to talk about politics or international uh, sad news is what gets talked about a lot. <laughs> uh, so we ended up doing family-oriented stuff, yogis, natural health and wellness, uh, meditation, everything. We had all kinds of fun stuff. We had a sleep podcast that we worked with. And in two years, uh, we produced 1,500 episodes of podcasts. We were streamed for about 140,000 hours and did a couple million downloads. And so I actually sold our production studio uh, over the summer. And I took about six months off and traveled the country and did photography. And I wrote a book. And uh, now I'm diving into a new endeavor, this Founderist, which is a national networking group and uh, business matchmaking for entrepreneurs to continue helping people at all stages. And uh, I'm really, really excited. You mentioned all of my podcasts and blogs <laughs> and all of the things. Those are a few of them. But uh, yeah, I'm currently based in Denver, Colorado, and I travel around the country working with people, producing media and designing beer cans and putting on events and doing a little of everything. Hopefully that answers your question. It, it definitely more than answers my question. 
So out of all of those different businesses, all the different things that you've started, you've clearly been in a few different industries. Which one was your favorite? Which one did you enjoy the most? Uh, I really like, so in probably about 2012, when Angry Orchard got really big, you know, over the past 10 years, there's been a lot of waves of beverages. The wine industry has a hard time connecting with Gen Z's and people have drifted away from some of the craft breweries. There's a big saturation. So cider was really cool for a while. And then, uh, now it's seltzers kind of there was a wine cooler kind of mixer fruity thing in the middle and non-alcoholic beverages are becoming popular kombucha anyway when the cider boom happened washington and oregon grow about 80 percent of the country's apples and so it was really really big i was living in seattle but overnight there were over 200 cider companies and i grew up uh, my dad works in agriculture trade and i grew up around a lot of farming and fruit-based stuff and so I started a cider brand and got to chase this really exciting trend. And I had a background working in large scale wholesale distribution. So I went from working for the largest wine company in the world to the smallest cider company in Western Washington. And I literally went from a company that had 15,000 employees to a company that had two employees. And it was the tale as old as time, two dudes in a garage making beer and, uh, <laughs> Thankfully, I had a lot of connections and I was actually able to over four years as the only full-time employee of a hard cider company, uh, we got into about 3000 locations in six states and we were in uh, Safeway and Kroger banners and we were right next to Budweiser products as a two dude operation. So that was kind of my favorite thing because after years of running a marketing agency, your own product is the thing that people hire me all the time to do branding for them or websites or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, the customer is always right. And that doesn't mean the customer has good taste or it's their passion, but very infrequently do we get people that hire us to pay us enough to do our best work or the other 50 things we'd like to do afterwards. So when it's mm -hmm. your own brand, you can imagine how much you think about your own podcast intro or your own website or your own logo, because it's a reflection of you. So when I own my own products, I design the packaging myself. I do the photography myself. I'm out there. Even our PowerPoint decks are the coolest thing ever because I put my whole heart and soul into it. So my favorite endeavor that I've ever been in um, was probably this specific hard cider brand. And then, you know, now I do it for hundreds of people, which is also cool. But when you have your own thing, those periods of when you start up, yeah. especially a product brand, that really fires me up. I've been in service uh, for the past five or six years, you know, doing things for other people, coaching and doing development. Uh, but pretty soon I'm going to be uh, doing something producty again. That sounds so sick. I can't imagine like that feeling of, you know, it started off in the garage and then you walk into like the alcohol section and it's right next to Budweiser. Like that is sick. That is sick. I can't imagine what that's, what that's got to feel like. Yeah. That's awesome. So I, I'd love to cover um, the new thing that you're launching right now, just Founderist. Mm -hmm. So have you already launched it? What's, how's it looking right now? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, I ran a podcasting business with a lot of podcasters and as a, as a result, a ton of guests and so beyond all of the listeners, we interacted with a couple thousand people that we were interviewing on our programs and 
experts in all these different industries. And I had a client at the time that owned a matchmaking company in Colorado, and she also runs one of our podcasts. And she it does, you know, love matchmaking. People hire her, and she's one of the premier matchmakers in the country, in my opinion. She set people up with like the millionaire matchmaker lady on TV in California. Uh, but she works with high-end singles in Colorado. And we really hit it off and we ended up starting a business together booking entrepreneurs on media. So Abby's background was in TV production and I had all this reach with podcasts. So for about a year and a half, we had entrepreneurs hire us and we booked them on podcasts. We booked them on local news, magazines, whatever, but all the way to like the QVC kind of stuff or speaking at conferences and trade shows, we helped entrepreneurs connect with, with exposure. But as you've surely seen with podcasting, if you go on a podcast as a guest, you might have millions of listeners. Uh, but I don't necessarily know if any of them like me or how many of them there are, or whatever. <laughs> and so at the end of the day, uh, getting media exposure is great, but we had a lot of clients that were, I'm a coach or I'm an author or something where I, maybe not an author, you know, an author, you can say, call to action, go to Amazon, buy my book. But somebody who's like, I can only have 10 clients at a time and they have to be in Phoenix, Arizona, going on a national podcast is a little difficult. Same thing goes for my business partner has a dating podcast that is a national podcast, but she only works with singles in Colorado. So she's this national reference and now she has courses and some other things. But we really realized that, especially after the pandemic, there's nothing more valuable than the good old fashioned referral. And people go to these networking events and it's just brutal. I am good in a group of less than five. I'm great on a microphone. I'm great by myself, but I would rather speak in front of an audience of 2000 at a Ted talk than walk into a bar where I don't know anyone. And people that know me are like, that's weird. You're so animated and loud. How can you see yourself as an introvert? But I just do not like small talking with strangers. And so when I go to these events, I always end up in the corner with like the one crypto bro. I go to the <laughs> bathroom, take a phone call, Irish goodbye. I'm there for like 14 minutes. And my business partner is exactly the opposite. She will meet every single person in the room. She's a social butterfly. Everyone loves her. That's why she helps people find love for a living. So we decided to take her matchmaking system and apply it nationally to do business matchmaking. And so very similarly to dating matchmaking, if you go on somebody's match.com profile or Bumble or Hinge or whatever is popular in your market, you get stuff like, how tall are you? Do you have a dog? Where did you go to college? And you don't figure out until like the fifth or sixth date that maybe they're a racist or they had a weird <laughs> political or religious upbringing or they are allergic to your cat. You know, you don't talk about these things. And I was interviewing a woman last week who works in TV news. And she said, look, I get up at three o'clock in the morning every day. I have an abnormal life because I work on TV. And for me, I cannot date a guy who snores. Like I'm a light sleeper and my life will, will combust if I am with a guy that snores. She's not going to put on her hinge profile, snorers need not apply, you know? But working with a matchmaker, you can have that stuff pre-vetted. And she does criminal background checks and validates their jobs and all of the things. So we decided to do that for business because people 
go to these generic networking events that are really rough, or they join these groups for referrals where they have one person from each industry. But that doesn't mean you like any of those people. And you're like, oh, great. This is the guy that I have to tell all my friends to do their bookkeeping with, but he's kind of a dick or we have differing values, whatever. So we have people that are looking for a co-founder, a mentor, a board member, or to be any one of those things or a referral partner. And we break them into a couple of categories. I call it solvers and expanders. So if you said, I want to start a podcast and I would like to meet a producer, or I'd like to meet another podcaster who's had success, or I'd like to meet someone who knows how to monetize. That is a problem that you currently have that I can solve for you with a pre-vetted person that we know or offer you a couple options, but you don't have to go looking and type into Google who should edit my podcast. I'll find it for you. And then the other side is expanders where you say, I'm moving to Portland, Oregon, and I don't know anyone and I want to work in the beer industry. And I would love to meet somebody who's connected in that industry because my goal is to put on events. Maybe I can introduce you to the executive director of the Oregon Brewers Guild or something. So, you know, how can I expand? But the idea is if you have a need, I can help you find the solution. And if you want to meet people, I can introduce you to somebody who can connect you in those communities. But rather than just giving you a referral for a client, I'd rather introduce you to somebody who can get you 50 referrals. So we're really going out with this genuine, authentic connection based on the values of your business. And we can search based on geography, growth stage, industry skill set, uh, or anything that you're looking for. But one of the examples I like to use is, let's say you're an accountant in most things online and in person, you're going to get grouped in the finance industry and you're going to be put next to the crypto bro. Um, or <laughs> bankers or investors or whatever, but you might be an accountant only for restaurants. So you would rather go to a trade show with food and hospitality people than be lumped in with all these finance people that are not going to further your career because they're your competitors or have nothing to do with the business you do. So I have, since we started this, uh, we've, we've been onboarding people. You asked when it started, we started it December 1st. It's completely fresh but we're planning on onboarding a couple thousand people through next year. And it's, it's funny because on the one hand, we have this really cool proprietary 12 point system that we came up with that has a billion permutations. Uh, but that makes it sound like an app. It's, it's a cool system, but there are human beings that are introducing you. My co-founder mm -hmm. and I are hand interviewing and interacting with every single person that works with our company. So it's not a generic, you know, college hottie or intern or something that's answering your calls, everything you're willing to share with me about the background of your business, about your revenue, about what you want to do in the future, we go out there and we find the right people, whether we have somebody already that's advantageous or it's full on headhunting. And so the big, the big common thread across this is, and in my podcasting business, over two years, we donated almost $250,000 of scholarships and sponsorships and subsidized services. And we empowered all of these cool young people or people who wouldn't otherwise have a microphone to speak on the opportunity to do that. So we've set out in kind of an altruistic manner for this too. Obviously we wanna have a profitable business. This is a startup, but with the reach that both of us have, we set out to create something where there are a lot of national franchises. People know BNI is one of the things that's in most cities. Uh, there are 
event type things like 1 million cups or founders live. There's a couple of these, but these groups can cost like one or two grand a month or mastermind groups or coaching programs can be 20 to $30,000. Now everybody wants to be a coach and the branded community is the hot thing. Now our service costs $799 costs 800 bucks. The idea is for most professionals, if you own a business and you have a service, even if you're a graphic designer or something, uh, or a journalist all the way up to a tech founder, probably one lead is going to pay for your membership for this. And we do guaranteed one-on-one -on -one introductions. We have online speed, speed dating, speed networking events. Uh, we have mastermind groups with guest speakers, webinars. We're just creating stuff and you can consume as much of it as you want, but at least for 2023, it's unlimited. And that's, what's really exciting about this because we're able to help people on a national scale. When I was running my agency rolling into the pandemic, I was getting handwritten notes from my clients why they couldn't pay their bills. And I did delayed payment plans and credit and discounts, but I still had to pay the salaries of my employees and let alone myself. Right. So I was right. like, well, you can't I, forget about I could, that. <laughs> I could live in a tent if everybody else could still survive, but it was really tough. And so when I set out to do the, the podcasting and YouTube thing, it was how can we affect the most people? And I'm talking the first layer. I'm trying to empower all the storytellers and then they can talk to all of their communities, which may be millions or maybe not. But this is the same thing. I have the opportunity to affect tens of thousands of people versus one client at a time, even though we're working with them one-on-one, -on -one, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That sounds, I, I love that idea. It's like, networking on steroids and it's it just it sounds so much more targeted and like purposeful like you know that you're going in there and you're gonna get what you need out of it versus when you go to a networking event and it's like well you know what I really hope that I meet this person that you know might be able to help me out with this issue it's that's something that I've personally struggled with at least is walking in it's like oh okay it's all just real estate agents in here what am I supposed to do with that well, you don't expect the, the little, when you admit the little things that you need, like I was interviewing a woman a couple of days ago, who's a fractional chief marketing officer. She goes and works inside of companies and she's worked for a ton of marketing agencies. She's got a lot of experience. But when I said, who could I find for you that could help your operations and make it easier? You know, do you need a virtual assistant? Do you need a bookkeeper whatever? She said, well, I, I'm a marketing person. I don't really want anyone to know that I need help with my own website. You know, like there's, it's, mm -hmm. you can be an amazing art director, connector, visionary, but just because you don't know how to code doesn't mean it's something to be embarrassed about. But she said, yeah, you know, if you could, you know, find me someone maybe on the DL. And I was like, why on the DL? Why are we, why are we talking about? <laughs> of course I could, I can help you build your website, but it's, I've talked to someone recently who works in international cannabis development. And the cannabis industry is different in every single state. There are 30 U.S. states where it's legal, but every single one has different packaging guidelines, has different regulations, federal and state. And the industry is opening up for import from other countries. And so places like Brazil is really big. Thailand is really big. Uh, Mexico is going to be really big. And so she said, sure, I want to meet people in the cannabis industry, but I would love to meet people with international trade experience, people who know how to do customs, uh, people who have built big community organizations and associations, because I see my industry is going to expand in the next 10 years and I want to be ahead of it. So why don't you go and find me the hardest to find people 
and bring them to me because I'm not going to meet that person at Starbucks in Denver. Correct. Yeah. But it's really cool that you do that. So we do have about like 10 minutes left of the interview and I want to make sure that we cover. Just come I'm the longest winded person ever, but I'm passionate. No, about you're it. good. You, absolutely. It's all good. So what is your biggest focus going to be for 2023? So surprisingly, uh, I just wrote a book and while I was writing it, I was planning on a coaching program and taking some time away and doing exactly the opposite of what I just said, like working with a couple people <laughs> very closely. Um, but the the final proof copy showed up at my place last night and I opened up the envelope and like held my book. And I thought I knew better than everyone else. I thought I could write a book in you know a month or two, no big deal. And it turned out it took me two years and I wrote enough information for four books, but I'm really excited about this. And I I had no plan on promoting it. I had no plan on well, I mean, I, I work with a lot of college students and I do a lot of speaking. So I just figured I can give this to a lot of people. I don't really care if it makes money, but mm -hmm. now I have it in my hands and it's pretty stinking cool. So I'm really excited about my book. I want to, I want to write a follow-up. Uh, but next year I really, I want to get a ton of people into Founderist and, um, I'm personally relocating to Oregon. I haven't told anybody that yet, but uh, I'm moving to Portland, which is cool. I've lived my whole life between Seattle and Denver, and I'm going to a brand new market and kind of looking to uh, invest in some real estate and do a couple different personal things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say I'm I'm looking to network the crap out of 2023 and help as many people as I can. What are yours? Absolutely. Mine, my goals for 2023. Oh. Nobody ever asks you on your own podcast. No, they don't. No, they don't. So I don't know how to. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's going to be something I can do in 2023, but my dream is business acquisition. I would really love to go and buy established businesses, especially since the baby boomers are retiring. So these businesses are for the most part, perfectly fine. They just need to be modernized a little bit. Obviously it's not that easy, but that's kind of where I'd like to be. That's, that's what I'm planning on more actively working towards this year. There's a really good book called Buy Then Build. I can't remember what the author's name is. There's a gal I follow on TikTok that does the ugly businesses. Maybe you've seen this. She talks about like car washes and coin operated laundry and vending machines and like all the things people think are terrible. But it's like you said, the owners are in their seventies and they want to get out. And there's ways you can get a small business association loan or even seller financing where she's walking in and spending no money, but this business cash flows 40 grand a month just because it's kind of ugly and it's in a strip mall. People don't think about right. how often those things are used. That's Absolutely. fascinating. Any yeah. particular so industry that you love? I haven't decided on an industry yet. I have, I've been mostly in like photography because I have a business right now that runs on the weekends and it's, it's a photography business, but um, I don't know. I kind of want to expand. I want to go for a boring business or something like accounting or like construction or trucking or like a gas station, you know, like that kind of thing. Car so that's always been around or car washes. Houston Big does have firms are going into car washes. It's always going to be needed. Yeah. Houston could use some more car washes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So do you have a goal for revenue for 2023? Holy moly. Um, yeah, I don't really know. I own a couple of businesses, so it's hard to tell. I would like to, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like a 10X kind of year. 
it's it's going to be a biggie but i don't know if i can put a specific number on it okay so what's what's your plan and focus for getting more people to sign up for founderist it's really a pretty simple pitch i mean it's something that everyone needs and both of us at the end of the day we're providing a national service but with the two of us or a couple of people that we hire, there's only, there is a ceiling to how many members we can have. Uh, so Abby and I both have networks that are big enough that recruiting has been pretty simple. I just want to get it built up quickly and then be able to service all those people. Uh, but mostly it is through referrals of existing clients. You can imagine she has a database of a couple thousand people that have worked with her in the last four years that were looking for love. And some mm -hmm. of them met somebody, got married, and then they don't need her anymore, but they would love to continue working with her. Mm -hmm. So Abby's been able to call on former clients. I've been able to call on former clients. And with the group element and the online communities, I'm working in like companies like Beverage or Athleisure or um, Hospitality. You know, we're getting 50 brewery owners are very easy to get if you go after a big group. And so we're kind of doing some subgroups and niching down into a few industries that we can really impact heavily. But then, you know, anybody, I got the international cannabis lady, which, you know, I'm pretty excited about that challenge. <laughs> I would love to know how you're going to find that person for her. That's, that's what I would like to know. Sneaky, but... I'll tell you. <laughs> um, so what does your content strategy look like for attracting new people. I know that you mentioned that you want to do it through referrals, but have you considered beyond that? Sure. Um, well, we both have a lot of media reach. We actually do a live stream on mm -hmm. uh, once a week. We do it on LinkedIn and YouTube and, and Facebook. And so we have a lot of people on our live stream to share information, but um, it's a good recruiting mechanism or it's a good way to thank our existing clients. We're helping a lot of our existing clients with getting booked on media, or we're providing blogs and podcasts and things to promote them. But mm -hmm. us putting out constant media is pretty important. And then we put up a lot of clips that call back to the people that have been guests. But yeah, it's relatively new. I mean, she's the one that does the kind of not cold sales, but she's the one that meets 20 new people a day. I kind of do the high spotting, like write blog articles, speak on podcasts, uh, do the more broad stuff. And then I do like the one-on-one -on -one meetings with people that we know, or she sets up meetings for me, but I do really great one-on-one -on -one, or you and I in America <laughs> who are listening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, she does well with the, the hundred people at Starbucks. I see. Oh, right. That goes back to the story that you mentioned earlier, but vid video and audio content, we're doing a lot of podcasting and, and live streaming. Okay. That's good. That's good. So where do you predict you might get stuck or slowed down in the next 12 months? Uh, one of the big things that I talk about a lot in when I'm teaching is life stuff. You know, I, I've had times when uh, a family member could get sick or I went through a divorce or you might have a business partner who uh, comes across personal financial troubles or wants to buy a home and doesn't want to be in a startup anymore. So uh, this is a very good thing, but my business partner is actually having a baby in April. And mm -hmm. so uh, she's going to be gone all summer and I'm going to be running the business and standing in for her uh, 
love matchmaking business and running my marketing agency and traveling. So, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great way to look at things come and go every single year. We couldn't expect a pandemic was going to come. You can't expect that you're going to have, uh, I mean, hopefully your health and your family's health are always good. But I think one of the things that could hold me up is I have a knack for taking on too many things. And because of the nature of my business, I, most of my clients want me to become an investor or become a board member or, and by nature of marketing agencies, you have 20 or 30 clients at a time. And so I always end up with so many things. I have a meeting this afternoon to, to take an equity position in a yoga pant company. And like, that's pretty far outside of my wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, so but I'm a photographer. I'm around models all the time. I work in the fitness. Like it, it's adjacent, but it's a distraction. And for me, I've always mm -hmm. had four or five businesses going at the same time. So if one failed, I had the other ones. And this is the first time really that I have made a business of my own, even my nine to five job. You know, I'll, I work a hundred hours a week, like 40 is nothing. But uh, I think one of the things that could hold me up is shiny red ball syndrome, because Every day something comes around where some person, I had a guy pitch me on a maple syrup bourbon in Vermont yesterday. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and all these people that are telling me about their businesses all day, every day are, I want to help all of them. Uh, so I think my biggest issue that could hold me back is getting distracted and not staying laser focused on the goal. Shiny object syndrome. Yep. Absolutely. But I mean. But it's so nice that you have the opportunity to, to have all of that and to see all of that and be able to, you know, that you even want to help all these people and you want to be on their board and invest in them and help them. That's amazing. So it's, I'm happy for you. Thank you. So um, what did you struggle with the most this year and how do you plan on overcoming it for next year? This year has been tough for me. I've had a very big doing a lot of different things comes at a great risk. You know, I hate the word serial entrepreneur, um, but, you know, I, I definitely am that. And I've started a lot of cool things, but a lot of them, it was the wrong time or with the wrong people or not the right amount of money. I teach bootstrapping, you know, all of my businesses have started with private financing and with not a lot of money. And I developed products for other companies that have gone on to sell nationally and internationally and make millions of dollars. Some of them I can't even talk about that I worked on, but your own things ebb and flow with your life. And I have, uh, you know, relationships and home ownership or moving or whatever. So my little brother is, he's not little, um, my brother who's younger than me. Is a cardiologist and he's been living in the Northeast for the last five or six years doing his medical residency and fellowship. And they had a plan to move back to the Northwest. And I always thought when they moved that I would, I would go back to, because mm -hmm. I want to start a family. I want to be close to my brother. I have, a, you know, I'm from the Northwest and the last uh, four years I've been living in Colorado. I kind of moved on a whim and then there were reasons to stay, but relocating has been kind of nerve wracking because I, that's what I want for the long term. but my business is doing really well here. And I have a big community here that I worked hard to build. 
And so the first year that I lived in Denver, I was living in Denver and working in Seattle. And I went back for like a month at a time and I was putting on beer festivals. And now I'm in the position of like, I want to live in Portland, Oregon, but work in Denver. And thankfully I, you know, travel a lot and there are, there are airplanes, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it. I've been wrestling all year with, I sold my last business. What do I do next? People ask me to coach or to make online courses or whatever. And do I want to do my own brand again? Do I want to get involved in something that I can scale like yoga pants or keep being a service provider? Cause at the end of the day, you know, being a photographer is awesome, but at the end of the day, it's time for money. It doesn't happen while you're asleep. If you break your leg, you're not making any money because you can't go out and shoot. So I love that I design wine labels and beer cans and make people's ideas come to life. But at the end of the day, your time is the most valuable asset you have. And for the past five or six years, I've just worked 24 seven because it's what I know. And so I've really needed to focus more on human relationships, more successful dating, finding a longer term future that isn't uh Venmo to Venmo, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, that was a metaphor, but, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like there are huge ebbs and flows and I have months where I do great. And I have months where I make negative money and uh, they, they certainly level out, but I'm the kind of person, if we sold our business for millions of dollars, my business partner would take a couple years off. I would immediately start the next thing. And so I'm trying to be a little more of the uh, find a cabin in Oregon and settle down and write books kind of thing. Do you think that you'll accomplish that this year? No doubt. Love to hear it. So let's talk a little bit about the podcast. Um, okay. What was your intention behind starting? Let's go with Let's go with whichever one helps out um, or works directly with founders from, for founderists. Sorry, it's been a long day, but um, sure, because you have a so few. When I moved to Colorado, I didn't know anyone, and I started a podcast called Colorado Preneurs just to interview local business owners, really just so I could meet people. I don't, uh, you know, when you're self-employed, you're alone a lot, and my only way of meeting people was, I don't know, Bumble. I'm going on dates or whatever. And so that's why we needed founderist. But I interviewed a whole bunch of business owners, had a lot of fun. It kind of inspired me to make more podcasts. So that one I've kind of always done. A month or two ago, I started one called Dream Jobs, which is the same format. I interview business founders about their background, very similar to this one we're having, uh, but it's not limited to Colorado. That's been my issue is I've constantly wanted to grow that. It has a great following and people are really receptive to it but it succeeds because it's a niche. I have the best business podcast in Colorado. I might have the best podcast in Colorado, but it's in Colorado. I just told you I'm moving to Oregon. So uh, we've wondered on like, should we make it an in-person networking thing? Should we make it an app? Should someone else run it? Should I sell it? But like actually to build a podcasting brand that is valuable as a business in and of itself, wasn't something that I planned. I just kind of wanted to make some friends. So uh, Dream Jobs is kind of an extension of that. And then um, I have another one that I'm working on that's about branding. And I have one where I interview breweries. So there are several, but my company was called, my company's called Daydreamer Ventures. Most of my businesses are called Daydreamer something. Richard Branson's my favorite entrepreneur, you know, Virgin banks and (laughs) phones and airplanes. 
someday yeah. I want my, my thing to just be, uh, everywhere. But, uh, my business was called daydreamer network and daydreamer studios. And when I sold the studio, I changed the social media handles to daydreamer channel. So mm -hmm. now I just have one podcast feed and I put multiple different kinds of shows on it. Okay. So I have one called office hours where I teach lessons. I had one called cast of pods for a little while where I taught people how to get into podcasting and it was really popular. So I integrated that into these 15 minute lessons that I do called office hours. I have the dream jobs episodes. Um, we do the audio version of our live stream. I do some round table discussions. So people just subscribe to my kind of Nexus feed. And mm -hmm. then uh, probably about two times a week, I'm putting a few different types of episodes on it. So okay. my podcast is actually a channel. That's, That's the hot. Pretty thing. cool. That's really cool though. You stay very busy. I see how, I see where the hundred hours comes from now. Right. So what have your biggest pain points been around growing? I guess each of your podcasts, we'll go with that. The thing that I have the most often struggled with is to, um, give me three seconds here. The thing that I've struggled with, with my own podcast is the scale. When I started helping other people make shows, they always want to get the most followers possible. And that's not necessarily where the value is. Like I, for example, uh, maybe I, when I started out, had a hundred listeners, but all hundred of them were listening to every single episode, every single week. And they were listening to the entire thing. I mean, some of them are over an hour and they're listening to all of it, which to me, that's like way more high value people recruited into your tribe of loyal fans versus a lot of passerbys. Because every week, the method for having guests on your podcast means that I'm going to turn around to repost this to my entire community and hopefully they start listening to your show, right? So interview-based shows help you snowball your, your following. But let's go back to using Abby as an example, my business partner. She has a dating podcast and thousands of people listen to it, but she uses it as a vehicle to promote her business that is in Colorado. So she doesn't care if 10,000 people listen to an episode because one of them might hire her for thousands of dollars to be their matchmaker in Denver. So she cares about like the five that are becoming clients. So it's really interesting because I have some shows that, that we worked on that didn't have a ton of following, but they were really loyal. And those people bought stuff from them or had a real in-person relationship or wrote in when there were questions and gave suggestions and wanted to follow them on Patreon and all that kind of stuff. And then I had other ones that had thousands and thousands of downloads, but nothing to sell, no connection with the person. It was broadcasting for the sake of broadcasting. And if that's going to propel you forward into your next job, or you're eventually going to write a book or start a group or something. But I think podcasters get obsessed with the number of downloads that they get and not the quality of people that listen. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I could right now write down on a piece of paper, the names of the top hundred people that listen to Colorado Preneurs. Like they tell me that they like the content. I know who listens to my show. I know them personally. I've met most of them in person and my clients tune in and it's, it's added value. One of the things that I like about podcasts, depending on what kind you have, if you have different guests, 
is covering different topics that can be useful for people to go back to. So like for the dating podcast, she'll have on a therapist that talks about divorce and then she'll have someone on that talks about polyamorous relationships. And then she'll have someone on that talks about hookup culture and the honeymoon period. And so then when she meets someone that is interested in matchmaking, she can kind of prescribe to them, like you should listen to episode 13, episode 72. This one I actually recorded three years ago, but it wasn't time sensitive. It was with a divorce coach and you just went through divorce. And so it's neat to have those things that are like, when I do the business ones, especially in Colorado, like one week I have a guy that owns a brewery and the next week I have a woman who's a home organizer and then we do kombucha and then we do comedy shows. You know, it's just kind of anyone who owns a business who's here because people who live in Colorado who are listening will want to like drive down to the farmer's market and buy that peanut butter. So it all comes down to your goals, but I've always uh, wanted to have a bigger audience and not necessarily that very fine specific thing. And I think people don't set out to podcast. It's the vanity metrics. It's the same social pressure as, as Instagram. You know, you're looking at how many views you got and death scrolling and a podcast takes a while to build. And uh, that's what I experienced too. And, you know, practice what you preach, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So on the flip side, what do you love the most about podcasting? Podcasting allows anybody to share their actual expertise. So you can, you can post videos even on social media and people can follow you and that's great. But when do you have an hour to tell your story? You know, that's one of the hard things about hosting a show is if you and I talk for 45 minutes, it's been six minutes of you talking. And so if you use a podcast to promote yourself or your own business, how often do you get people to listen to you? And that's one of the things that I struggled with was like people that have a solo podcast where they just talk. If you're doing like a research-based thing, maybe that's possible. But when I started doing these classes on how to start a podcast, how to monetize a podcast, the motivations people have, I was worried that like, are people really going to just listen to me talk to myself for 25 minutes? And I would make a timer. I would not let it go over 20 minutes because I didn't think that people were just going to want to sit there and listen to me talk. But for two years, I've been running a podcast where I interview people and I never really shared my knowledge or my personality. And a couple of my listeners actually, and a couple of my clients were like, look, we tuned into this to listen to you. We like the questions you ask. We like the feedback you give and you do a great job of curating guests. But I am a talker and I hate networking and I hate being uh, around too many people in person, but that's one of the things I love about Founders is I'm on Zoom calls all day with people from all over the country and I'm hearing their stories and getting to interact with them. So I would say my favorite thing about podcasting is getting to connect with a different person every week and hear the stories of people, but also engage with them in a way where um, you ask me questions about the motivations behind my business that people don't necessarily always ask me. And when you're always in the hustle and bustle, you don't stop and think about what I always ask people in my show. Like if you had to go back to college and go into a different industry, was there something else you always thought you'd be good at? Or if you could do any job for one day and they were like really kind of uh, surprised by that. And I purposely mm -hmm. don't tell them ahead of time because 
that's some introspection that they're doing live and they might not have thought of before. What's your favorite thing about podcasting? My favorite thing about podcasting, I'd have to agree with you, is getting to meet so many different kinds of people all across the world and in so many different industries. And you get to see, you know, you almost get to learn from them as well. You know, you see where they made mistakes, what they wish they had done instead. And I think that that is priceless, priceless experience. So, yeah, I would say that it's getting to meet, meet a lot of new people. Love it. Absolutely. So um, we've reached the end of the podcast. So do you have any advice for our listeners? For the people out there that own a business or have a side hustle, uh, don't give up. <laughs> it's it's going to be hard. Take a lot of bumps and bruises. But I think there's no better way to grow, whether it's your personal brand or your network of people or your your resume or your business, there's no better way than connecting with people. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and hand out business cards and meet a thousand folks, but trying to meet a new person maybe every week or trying to uh, connect with somebody in your industry or having the courage to ask. I've never found a proper mentor because I've done so many different things that there just weren't the right kind of people that wanted to do, do what I do. And, you know, I was self-employed for 10 years, uh, just kind of watching YouTubes and figuring it out and meeting people. I never really had the guidance of a mentor or an investor or everything I did was self-made, which is something I'm really proud of. But I like to encourage people to not be afraid to ask for help because I have a million interns and I help a lot of college students and people reach out to me and say, your podcast helped me, but I would love some advice. And if you, you never know, unless you try. So reach out to that big guest to be on your podcast or ask someone if they're interested in uh, being on your board or getting involved in your nonprofit, but reach out to people because the worst they can say is no. And the longer you wait, another year is going to go by. Just have a reason. I have people write me messages. I probably get 20 messages a day from someone that's like, you seem like a good person to know. I'd love to pick your brain. I don't want to have my brain picked. You know, like my time is valuable and tell me why I should help you or who you serve or why this hour that we're going to spend together um, is worth me foregoing, you know, my hourly rate for consulting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Come with something compelling and wake up every morning with a mission on what you can do for people or the world or yourself, but just have a purpose and don't give up. That's amazing. I love that. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? I have a lot of websites and a lot of social media uh, handles, but my uh, Instagram is where I hang out. Mine is Andy, A-N-D-Y dot the dot daydreamer. And there's links to the other businesses there. Founderist is founderist.club. Um, that's the web domain and the handle. Uh, and those are the the easiest places to find me. You can find the links to my podcasts and Daydreamer Marketing, Daydreamer Channel, all the things. Uh, but Andy the Daydreamer and founderist.club. Okay, and if you're interested awesome. in signing up for Founderist, we've got discounts uh, for founding members. Uh, go ahead and go there and and check out Founderist hyphen get started or whatever it is. And uh, we'll, we'll set you up. 
All right. Sounds good. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur and would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.